0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, War Horse Podcast, episode 16, the Merry, Merry Christmas edition, 2021. As always, I'm coming to you from the War Horse. I've staked out one of these neighborhood-sized Walmarts, as well as a Dutch Brothers, Um, and it's raining in the desert. So things are strange, all sorts of instant confusion. As always, I have my weapons in the round and once again, I'm joined by Riker and Yuma who are lounging in the back seat. I had to send my tomahawk in to the shop Um, not for any failure on its part at all. I just wanted a longer handle, a couple inches, and I, and I prefer no taper on the handle. That way I can go back in, um, like with a spoon knife and scallop very lightly, you know, say like a 10 inch area. And then re-wax it, and it will be just how I like them. And I'd meant to do this for a long time, but maybe it was Christmas, and I felt like indulging myself, very gracious of Walk by Faith 777 to allow me to send it in and make that modification. Seem like pretty solid folks up there in Michigan. so the website goldengoatguild.net golden goat guild on instagram this time of year is always slow you know people drink so much um i can't remember the last time i had even one drink probably six months ago but you know if we're all connected And at many, many levels, we have distributed consciousness, you know, and we have electrical pulses emanating from our hearts, for sure, communicating with those around us. It's just, uh, it's no wonder that societies that just simply stay to keep their shit together... You know, are happier and even if they're doing menial stuff it's still kind of a joy I have found in recent years my tolerance for truly meaningless um, work diminishing at an exceptionally rapid rate which brings us um, in a in a sort of segue to our sponsor this is a company it's actually a subsidiary uh, of golden goat guild llc we're doing business as peregrine precision i threw a video up on instagram of the first earn offering there'll be more I will, I think that it's wise to, you know, keep a little divide between them. However, it's much on my mind of late, and um, I figure you guys may be interested in some of the thinking behind it. Essentially, what we're doing is making the best urns in the world... I did a fair bit of study. I have had occasion more than, more than I would like, as will you, I'm sure, to examine the wares at the not-so-local, but sometimes-local funeral homes in terms of vessels. And let me tell you, they suck. You're going to be disappointed. I pretty much guarantee it unless you have the same taste that like typical midwestern 65 to seven year old you know boomer women have um and you don't own cats because most of that stuff is a kind of cheap pottery made overseas shipped in um ridiculously priced it's the whole thing from the big lebowski where you know it's our most modestly priced receptacle um, is true that's absolutely the way it goes they will charge you five hundred dollars for a cardboard box to move ashes from one say receptacle to another if you were in a um what's it called um mausoleum for example where bodies are cremated down below and then the ashes are deposited in some type of pre-purchased sort of interior real estate you know they can be exterior as well but little slots you know thousands of little slots usually with a marble cap with the person's name on it transferring those ashes is going to cost you 500 bucks. It's literally a shoebox. So, that's one aspect. The other real main aspect pertains to death work. I think that there's much more to go into, you know, once we get out of the, the um, practical uh, chapter that this podcast is in right now. There is you know, an endless ground to cover with respect to the, the interface of one man with his mortality. My experience has been that for the most part people, um, and again, I'm not the most worldly fellow in the world. I'm sure there's a dude from India that lives down the road from you and goes deep and hard on you know Krishna and the afterlife and what it really means and stuff but for the most part um, even at church you know expressing one even like boring through the mold to get to how you really feel about dying I mean that is a super rare dialogue that you're going to have if you're lucky enough to have it. Probably life-changing. And very well, in my experience, may be one of the only sort of truly progressive steps that men generally take in terms of you know, contemplating actual reality. If you haven't noticed by now, I have a like a festering boil almost um, of hatred and disgust and disappointment Um, and maybe the corollary shame, you know, about about the whole thing when I look out at the world and and um, something as central to life as death it's, it's, you know, it's defining feature almost Happening all around us all the time, always shuffled off, you know, always cleaned up by the EMT, always covered by a sheet, but never even spoken of in any expansive sense. In my experience, it's mostly colloquialisms, jokes, various measures to avoid the topic, right? And pardon me. We have Kierkegaard, Heidegger. Their examinations of these, I could you know I, you gotta imagine this isn't entirely a new thing. This um, being unto death, or you know the angst, this anxiety that has its own particular flavor within we humans. And there's another one, uh, you know, that's sort of categorized as not so much anxiety about death, um, almost as an anxiety about maybe not even being able to integrate death. And so that makes sense, you know, insofar as either of these guys really makes any sense. It makes sense that you have almost a feedback loop of, of problems emergent long time now in the Western world. And I'm not bagging on the Western world, obviously. It doesn't do a hell of a lot of good to just say, well, you know, if you're a more primitive guy, well, we just get shit faced for nine days and cry and try and hump, you know, our neighbor's wife and put on masks um, or whatever the fuck they do. And then we kind of move on. Okay, well, you didn't... Except for the possibility that, you know, potentially you interfaced with the spirit, which I'm sure you did. And that's... There's no reason why those two would ever be exclusive. It would seem to me that making them exclusive is just another way to confound efforts to live a kind of conscious um, existence. So in no way can I say that, you know, one is better than the other. But in the Western world, um, literature suggests that this weird, you know, again, compounding, uh, it's feeding back on itself, and I don't get me wrong, I'm not one of these guys who believes that all of our problems boiled down. I think Freud had some, some involvement in pushing this line. You know, all of our anxieties, all of our issues, all of our avoidance patterns, our dysfunctional breathing, you know, whatever we're taking on and um, making our lives more difficult art you know is due directly to this just absolute inability to face potential oblivion. You know is the implication, and then of course nestled in there, sort of again swept under the rug, you have the truly faithful, some um, some Catholics in there, a lot of Orthodox in there, hell some Protestants and. You know, probably a whole smorgasbord, a retinue of, of belief systems and individuals representing those belief systems who have found and have interfaced with it successfully. It being this fact, this unavoidable never discussed potentially you know again I don't believe it's true but that that all of this stems from you know all of our error all of our sin all of our stupidity stems from this inability um, but it, I, it's absolutely tied up in it I would agree that far so you know rewinding a bit we talked about What death work means. And it means quite a few things, and there's many ways to go about it. I don't think that I went into any detail in my own um, efforts at death work sustained over several decades. Um, I generally try not to, you know, go ahead and record myself you know things like hallucinations or um epiphanies or hierophany i i don't know it's not so much that i mean i'm already you know a a fringe (laughs) on the fringes of society and that's for the best um you know given our circumstances but i am reticent to talk about those things maybe a little superstitious you know um, it feels like dialogue where there's this you know third entity that emerges between the two participants in in IRL it could be recorded I suppose you know a discussion but it feel it feels to me like there's a magic in that um, that would make it more probably just more valuable you know so i'll keep it really brief to say somewhere i got the idea that maybe from castaneda maybe maybe it was a kind of a stew that marinated and became became rotten at some point even but it it coalesced at some point that this, con, this contemplative practice with death as its focus, um, you know, becoming a type of meditative prayer almost um, was, you know, something to, to take on as a long-term project. And so I did, and the long story, mostly pretty boring, made very short, is that I finally was able to do the mental geometry. I think it's like metaphysical geometry involving uh, the multiplicities of yourself, essentially. You know, you have a witness, you have some version of an like an egoic sort of self you know that much of your attention and is, is centered around but it's not the self you know it's not the capital t capital s self it, it is something like an ego it's something more like a surface self i don't like the term ego it all that shit was retarded thanks freud um But we certainly have modes of being in business that are different. Let these levels of intimacy, trust, even our abilities to communicate seem to fluctuate amidst all these factors. Which may go quite a distance to explain the difficulty of this idea you know getting your head wrapped around the idea that you're not going to be here at some point in time whatever the fuck that is and presumably life will go on and then even sorting out those assumptions because likely those assumptions themselves right hunter s thompson again nobody's been anyone who knows where the line is hasn't been back so is that true entirely no even that's not true entirely so you do have if you try it sometime it's almost impossible right because if you are truly erased from existence what would be there of yourself to even witness that atheists will take an opportunity like this to say you know communism communitarianism the family centered around the matriarchy all this sort of horseshit will just just sneak, sneak slip right in there and I resent that I think that that's an act of war and it has been for quite some time, so insofar as you know war is kind of my game, you know not kind of I mean it is these things um, these projects, even like this, you know this is an act of war on several different different levels to make something of great beauty that I imbue with my personal power, whatever that means for you, you know, I, I hire the best welders or I use the best finishes and I apply them by hand, given my, um, abilities. I attend to them. I will tell you that there's something I hope to get into this a little bit later, but the sheer power of attention itself, how much attention is made when something is just spun out of some block of aluminum in, um, you know, a rat-filled um, shithole in Sezuan or whatever. And, you know, coated in gutter oil thrown into one of those. What is with their cardboard? They, they won't even make just decent cardboard. You know that stuff comes over. You know it's from China when you open the box. The cardboard sucks. So they throw it in that. It arrives in a big box. There's 800 of them. Those are doled out. Just like your Happy Meal. And the sad fact is that most people are going to wind up in one of those. Whether it's the spun aluminum or your... You know, unitized, homogenized um, piece of pottery. Absolutely the same as the one right behind it. Not a lick of care, of sorge, that is like human care, attention, power is imbued in any of that shit. And that's not superstition. That's fucking Martin Heidegger. But if it is superstition, so be it. Um, Objects and how we relate to them. Anybody who's ever picked up a weapon that's been to war, a knife that's tasted human blood, or animal blood for that matter, does every you know somnambulant um zombie going into the neighborhood market here sense that when you put it in their hand no absolutely not and you know there there arrives my where where i align with the elites and the whole like just <laughs> go ahead just reduce this thing to 500 million i'll hide out in the woods until you're done come out and kill you guys and then we'll start over but um it's you know i'm working on uh the the exclusion you know the building of the code the guild the manor bund extended the diaspora if you will of this guild um And that will be, you know, a a, a many, hopefully many decades long process to come to understand um, how all these characters play into this big story, how you and I play in and affect their stories or vice versa. But the point about the object, again, not sure why Heidegger's in the uh, war horse tonight so much, but... Objects do have this um, propensity. It's like built into the relationship that we have. Um, and here again, you have Jordan and you know, well, the, the can of condensed milk doesn't mean anything until you pick it up and imbue it with some sort of, well, John Vervecki gets closer, in my opinion. But there's something to this point that the relationship with objects, yeah, in a sense it exists within us, you know, um, Musashi, don't favor one weapon. We all have favorites, man, and maybe he just favored, you know, the wooden sword, maybe There are many meanings to take from Musashi on this. certainly don't want to get on that guy's wrong, the wrong side of that guy. Um, But the point is that objects, no, we don't take them with us. But if we take anything of ourselves with us, we take something of that relationship with us. And the manipulation of various objects, the weapons I'm surrounded with, the war horse, living beings are entirely in another level of abstraction with respect to this area of discussion but take as an example this piece of art carefully calibrated to hold you know a 210 or 185 pound man's ashes reduced that sits on your mantle or your desk for the next 55 years 60 years that moves houses with you that gets moved around the house that every time you pick it up it forces you like what charge of weird green aether electricity is passed between you and that receptacle or you and that shroud. I should have said the shrouds will be made such that they're, you know, you're not going to put it in a box and then leave it in the closet until that fateful day. It's designed to be something Again, beautiful, decorative, and integrated into your life. Just in the same way that I, w- I imagine, I, you know, it's my belief that it's a pretty big claim, but I know I'm backed up by some big-ass brains out there. That integrating the reality, the truth, even if it's painful, even if it causes Kierkegaardian anxiety is an essential step towards the healing uh you know fuck america fuck joe biden fuck modernity fuck shell oil fuck dutch brothers and certainly fuck walmart fuck the warhorse fuck all this shit the ongoing timeless piece of this that say you know jim bridger experienced just like but maybe not just like, but he died, and you and I will die. And how we approach that, if anything echoes into eternity, it would seem to me that the defining moment when this thing, this person, this piece of whether you want to call it aether fire or the green grid of reality or the holy spirit or the holy ghost or however you understand it and however you understand that particular portal we've talked about this before that how you approach that moment what is your awareness in that moment where is your attention is it locked away in the nurse's cabinet waiting for her to emerge once again with the, you know, the morphine button. Maybe it's stripped away in one moment. One wrong turn. One uh, dipshit decides to text at the wrong second. You know? The ideal, though, that I would wish for all of you, all my friends, my family, myself, my children even, is to have an ongoing relationship with this moment as long as it as long as God grants if that's 70 years or if that's 7 years how many times this again weird green aether charge that passes between your hand and the urn or the shroud when you move it or touch it or pick it up it seems to me that people have this again a superstition about you know not becoming morbidly fascinated with stuff don't you know where you place your attention is where you make reality has they formulated in the crowds that worship the secret and um, chicken soup for the soul and this other happy horse shit um not that there's you know again it's the uh, ninety ten 90 or some variation of that percentage lie and truth equation but to seize ownership simplifies everything orders one's life and You know, part of ownership is paying attention is noticing the years pass, noticing things about yourself pass ourselves pass. So anyway, I hope that that was you know we will pivot a bit. I don't I did not mean to go into a half hour long commercial, but so Peregrine precision is. sponsor this evening um they can be you know you can navigate through instagram or you will be able to soon uh we're up on instagram on another account up on shopify not quite yet live at the time of this recording maybe when you hear this it will be live up on etsy as well to do the ab comparison test to see if one platform or another performs. And, um, yeah, that's it. If you know anybody that may be interested in some, you know, this sort of thing, pass the word along. I would um, greatly appreciate it. I have this, you know, I think I've mentioned it, this um, burning desire, and really a need to create for myself and for my family, a series of revenue streams, you know, each of which is substantial enough that if one or the other gets bumped out of place, there's still a trickle, or you know, hopefully a, a stream at least, if not a raging river. And this is one of the strategies that I have adopted, with respect to collapse and so we'll pivot right there continuing in this vein of the collapse practicalities high level thinking um you know the war horse in its entirety even as far ranging as as we've gone thus far lives and breathes uh with this understanding that um, we are in a collapsing civilization, society, nation, um, that this collapse is financial, it pertains to infrastructure, it pertains to the mental faculties, and to, of course, the spiritual faculties of not just every American citizen virtually, but um, the entirety of the Western world, it pertains to the idea that we are living with ongoing ecological fucking catastrophes. I always have to pause here to say, pardon me, that um, a lot of this stuff is pure, it's just scam upon scam, you know? Um, I still vividly recall as a kid looking at a headline when we used to get newspapers about acid rain well acid rain never materialized and you know as far as i can tell climate change or global warming or whatever's going to get greta another you know the 17 year old um mk ultra mutant another couple million dollars or you know i she gets to give leonardo dicaprio a hand job I, i don't know what the payoff is or even if there was one necessary but <clears throat> this isn't what we're talking about. I'm talking about the design of civil of industrial society itself. I'm talking about, I mean, yes, just-in-time delivery systems and the like are completely absurd. Globalism is, um, is itself an ecological catastrophe. To say nothing of the level of, of the individual and the level of the family. And if you want to ride that train right up to the level of the country, you could. Because, yeah, maybe even in the 60s, um, shit, I bet 80% of America, it's citizenry would have agreed, you know, in spirit, on just about everything. Uh, In terms of, you know, political discourse and what have you, where our society should be going. Did they all like uh, Roy Rogers or... No, totally irrelevant. And... Insofar as globalism itself is a sort of ecological catastrophe, I have not personally been out in the Pacific to find these islands, these Texas-sized islands of garbage. Um, but that strikes me as, a, as more true than the moon landings. More certainly, more likely. And yes, I'm, and I'm sure you are aware that almost all of that trash comes out of the, the Ganges, um, the Nile, and maybe one other river, you know, mostly passing through third-world level shit. Okay, well, why did we export, why did Walmart need to send them all these plasticized items? I don't know. And the ecological disasters that that I concern myself with... um, very much are related to how, you know, society was structured. This urban sprawl, just paving over vast quantities of the earth, just setting them up merely for commerce. <sighs> Man, it truly is fucking staggering that, that we have arrived to a time and place where not only have we done that, and sure, there's you know you see those conservative Charlie Kirk fucking dick sucking asshole types. oh, look at this picture here of all the greenery that's still in America, right as if you are you were granted um you know the particular key to what ratio of nature versus um suffocating concretized um Brutalist architecture dog shit uh, You know where the tipping point was No you weren't Which brings us to Not getting into Gaia or what have you at all You don't have to do that But humans are of the earth As far as I can tell I do like that one version Oh what is his name The Electric Universe guy Kyle Not McLaughlin Troy McLaughlin, yeah, Troy McLaughlin um, has a pretty fantastic, would be a great science fiction movie, sort of theory about the origins of man being from um, this, some little moon that was mostly water, and so the... The Northern Lights were originally a kind of like super water stream of mist or something that was passed from this little moon. Ganymede, I, re- I think, was the name of the moon. And carried a bunch of, I guess, like amphibian, newt like humanoids from ganymede on this sort of super umbilicus of um i don't know how was it warm because i'm told it's very cold in space did was it in a toroidal shape because how the fuck did was it like a tesseract that held together you know through this vast distance well who knows but it's it's a very interesting idea um to pick apart if nothing else but so it seems to me we are from the earth and All the evidence, all of it, suggests that everything from the buildings to huffing diesel, which is bad for your testosterone, it's depressing to walk into places like Walmart where the stupid right angles, you know, the stupid automated doors, yes, they're insulting. Yes, you look at it, at least I do, and say, this is like a temple that we walk into and we pay homage to the Waltons or and i do i always have this was like one of those ethics that i mentioned way back in the in the pilot series portland one of its good qualities was that you were taught little ethics like if there's a walmart don't fucking go there pay two dollars more and go to the mom and pop grocery store hardware store whatever So in this case, in my current environment, ever on the road, ever exiled from everything, um, I have chosen to give my patronage to Dutch Brothers. Mainly only because they compete with Starbucks and they're from Oregon. But they do have some very tasty coffee. Is it damn fine coffee? I would say it is. I would say it is damn fine coffee, but you need to be very selective with what you choose. I would recommend just go with the standards. All this fruity caramel pumpkin, you know, raspberry, all of these sort of weird syrupy additions do nothing but um, make you fat and dumb. The point of this, you know, was to say that brutalism is a perfect term, but we should have like we should extend this out to the brutalism of um, pharmalo- pharmacological interventions. The brutalism of driving, even. Yeah, I like to drive. You like to drive, but I don't love it. You know, if you gave me the opportunity to make the same money walking as driving, I would flush the the warhorse, tattoo it on my back to remember it happened, and and walk everywhere, every day. I wouldn't even ride a horse. And again, we have this, like, elephant in the room. The good novelist always eschews the cliche, but the um, the neophyte podcaster with, um, you know, not exactly, like, an Ashkenazi level of... Uh, verbal acuity though you know i do have my moments you have to you have to admit um i do maybe it's just you know discipline i'll, I'll do that rewind on the whole you know um downplaying the verbal acuity bit um but i feel a bit of shame when i deploy a cliche so i apologize but it is necessary to keep the ball rolling um there is a, a level of human suffering, right, that goes largely unnoticed. We've we've way surpassed the point where you could run into somebody, um, maybe on the outskirts of town, who would comment about, I don't know, maybe even the demonic qualities of this megalopolis that, you know, these two hypothetical characters are about to roll into. And they knew. You know, everyone's known. As my trucker friend puts it, the freeway is running vice, and all of those exit ramps are stuffed overfilling with it. Whores, drugs, greed, lust, the whole cornucopia of human misery travels on this, um, you know, intercontinental, really, uh, system now. So, I don't think that we can speak of ecological disasters without entire, you know, and, and, and separating ourselves entirely. The Orthodox do not do that. Panentheism, when followed through, doesn't doesn't view it this way at all. We're left with this vestige of uh, like I say, the Portlander, the Berkeley um, ethics regarding nature. And we know where that went. You know, it just took a hard hard left, I guess, and spun over into some sort of, um, I don't know. Have you seen this? You have. We've talked about it. This new wave of, uh, again, pharmacopia. You know, the pharmacos, in Hoffman's terms. the The gentler sort of yuppified, pharmaceutical grade, ketamine, mushrooms, ecstasy, this experience. We're definitely hitting um, Brave New World in the Venn diagram of dystopias, and it's going largely unnoticed, but we've already hit how many other dystopias? We certainly hit uh, Joni Mitchell's. We paved paradise for sure. And here I am sitting in a fucking parking lot. Um, kind of a silly song. Not my favorite. And Joni Mitchell's not my favorite. If you were curious. Um, saw her alive once with Bob Dylan and Van Morrison. Yeah. Um, and that was during... Bob's tour for what I personally consider the greatest album ever made. Time out of mind. So, man, he played them all. 20-minute version of Cold Irons Bound. Yeah. They could have, you know, we could have gotten on some sort of high-speed rail. Been there in a quarter of the time. We could have all erected war bonnet hammocks, pounded our stakes with walk by faith 777 tomahawks. And um, although I don't think he was in, you know, but it's fantasy. So he was not in business at that time, but it's this quality where you look out and you understand that it was the lowest bidder who won. It was the worst person, the cacocracy. I can never say this word, cacocracy. I think that's it. Basically, you know, being ruled by the shittiest among us. And I hope that this dovetails with a good deal of previous War Horse material pertaining to a little bit of nutrition, you know, um... Certainly breath work and um, metabolic disease, epidemic. The epidemic of just simply being sedentary. This was discussed like in the 80s, 90s, 70s. No breaks on that train, sir. Now we're looking at 40% juvenile rates of obesity. So, we're back. we're back to the collapse, are we not? Are you still deluded that there is a way out of this? Are you still deluded that the red wave is going to do shit? Are you still under the idea that we're winning? It doesn't look like we're winning. Oh, they're, they're NGMI, says the guy on Twitter who may be, you know, an absolute badass and, you know, um, owns 12 copies of The King of Dogs. Who knows? But the collapse is, is ongoing. I wanted to touch a moment ago on the fact that There are times, you know, this is the nature of what I'm going to turn the old uh, war horse on for you guys. Just might need a thrill at this point in the, in the discussion. Now I really just want to put my uh, interior lights on, get some air. There are these moments, these lulls that go back to prototypical model of the boiled frog where you can sense you can feel these things are timed by the seasons by things like Christmas of course just like wars are Um, we see at least some of the elite chatter indicating a kind of um, dialing down of the the plague narrative they got what they wanted out of it they got a massive freakish consolidation and they dropped whatever i want to say 40 trillion but i know it's um 40% you know of of the all time uh, USD currency created in one year so that's floating out there now and so the question is obviously well what's the next move? Um, as usual, nobody knows. Here enters into our discussion of practicality vis-a-vis the collapse. The, uh, you know, a segment on attention itself. In the same way that, you know, I say we pay no attention um, to these, these tragedies of environmental destruction, these tragedies of human suffering on, and, you know, I want to clarify, I'm just simply speaking on the level of, I mean, forget about like fate, destiny, this level of tragedy that befalls some of us. I'm merely fucking talking about standard issue every day, get up at six in your shitbox house, get, you know, throw something artificial into your face to power you, get into your shitbox vehicle and go to your miserable grinding job. Once again, you know, worshiping at this temple. If you go to a warehouse, you go to a job site, Your whole job seems to be, in many instances, paying homage, paying fealty to one arm of this massive, uh, you know, a tentacle of this monster. Whether you're a trucker and you, you know, pump that commercial blood through the artery or, yeah, you... You're a consumer now, and you you walk into those um, that artificial light inside the Walmart or in the warehouse. You go into the you know frigid fucking cold uh, to to get that frozen food and pack it up for it to go across the country. That's the level of standard issue misery to which our forebears would have recoiled in fucking horror. This is the truth. The truth is not, well, you know, you got a job to do, and you got responsibilities to be a citizen, of, a, you know, to be uh, in society. This is where the attention and the power of attention is is... And it's manipulation, okay? This is where we're driving to with this segment. The manipulation of your and mine and your dad's and your mom's and your buddies, and your bosses and your coworkers and your ex-coworkers and that guy you only talk to once or twice a year. Damn near every fucking person that you will run into is having their ability, their inborn ability to attend Right We attend church. We attend our children's ball game. We go and we focus on something that's of value to us. We trade, yeah, our time. We always hear this like, well, you got time is the most value is most limited resource. It's the only thing that's really limited. The rest of it is just wide open. It's Disneyland for adults. You just do whatever you want. Well, You've been scammed in a a truly um, unbiblical levels. Uh, This is what we're dealing with. This is where Hoffman enters in on his level of abstraction. And this is where we can thread back in our our piece. Related largely, at that point we were criticizing, you know, uh, Red America and this the american mythology the bootstrap mythology maybe one there it seemed to be that there was a glimmer of light in the covid um epoch a moment where you would hear stories you know maybe people aren't just aren't going to go back to their jobs i was like good fucking idea please don't go back to your job go spend time with your family walk your dog go get a dog go out for a hike shoot your guns train Pick up a martial art, find a girlfriend, build a cabin illegally in the woods and fucking, you know, cash your shit out there. Do fucking something other than jive me and your family and your children about doing something of virtue when you disappear in the morning and return at night a bloodless husk, which is what you are. How many people use? I mean, I use that expression every time that I have to go do, uh, you know, some some menial, degrading, um, frankly horrifying task. As my one of my friends says, you know, he boiled it, and I might have pitched this out to you guys before, but and I can never quite get the formulation right. But he and his friend had arrived at this conclusion that you are not allowed to do anything of meaning. You know, that, that seems to me in this ever-expanding, just rising pile of rules and regulations and misinterpreted social norms and twisted bureaucracy. If you're to sum it all up, it kind of does look like that. Anything of meaning, where that could be fun is meaningful, you know, hierophany is meaningful, family is meaningful. Um, you know, much of this is personal. It, You know, I mean, I've made no um, effort at all, and I won't, to cover over my resentment regarding the media apparatus, which thieved from me and probably tens or hundreds of thousands of others just a fair opportunity to play... You know, the role of novelist in society. Is that my fault? Of course, you know, all responsibility falls to each of us. But is isn't my fucking responsibility, nor is it yours, that the context in which we operate is as it is. This is a shared responsibility. So anyway, just opening up the resentment valve to spill some of that black bile out on you guys real quick. To return to the practical a practical discussion and a quick analysis of attention and when that attention this this is your actual resource right it's not time you can exist in a coma and times passing who cares it's your ability to apply and focus your attention on one thing to the exclusion of another So you're not focused on your phone right now. You're focused on this conversation with your wife. You're not focused on your family right now. You're focused on this conversation with God. Or you're focused on improving yourself by doing a hardcore 20-minute session of breathwork every fucking day. You know, the, the more clever among us find ways to carve this out. And you carve and you in little dribs and drabs, in little whittled-off pieces, this fulfills the uh, the penny-in-the-penny-bank idea. However, we've come to a point now where we can use the demonic literally, some people will use this metaphorically if i were to deploy it it would be literal and so i will i mean we'll do that and then we'll also do the tech you know uh, substantiation of that where does this where does the proverbial rubber meet the road we'll start with the tech so you have these algorithms on every website on every platform uh, built into video games, built into apps, absolutely built into all of the visual media that you are partaking of. I told you guys in an earlier podcast that when I studied screenwriting and came to understand that there was a minute-by-minute formula for actual Hollywood movies, not your art house shit, not um, you know some of your stuff like Fight Club or what have you that sneaks through where there's, there's real value there yeah those lines are played with a little bit but people are so attuned to this formula this 15 minutes we have a jumping off point halfway through the movie we have a big major twist on everything you know the whole movie turned on its head um on and on and on maybe when we get out of the practicality section of the war horse podcast we will um go into depth on you know because that's intelligence as far as i'm concerned It's maybe some of the most intelligence or most important um, sort of intelligence training that you can have, you know, somebody can put everything is presented to you in a similar form, a beginning, middle and end, and there are time constraints on all of all of television and most of media, YouTube and not, you know, withstanding here. So we learned this, that not only are our form, our human-made formulas, which, who knows, you know, maybe at the beginning they were, they were built in to kind of enhance your enjoyment of, of movies. If you go watch something like Chinatown, that shit does not adhere to, the, in terms of, okay, this movie needs to be exactly an hour and 45 minutes. It, it doesn't adhere to that, but it, all, it will adhere, of course, to the broad dramaturgical structure um, in, you know, whether there's seven points, plot points or 12 points or 36, you can, you can suss them all out. because this is if not um, a direct example of the Lohi, I learned recently that it's not Logoi and it's not Logi, it's Lohi. So i'll try and work that in for for the discerning um linguists in the audience the warrior's way excuse me the um the hero's journey as it's called um kind of came but it's it's basic dramaturgical structure you know the warrior or excuse me once again the hero's journey is sort of an overlay onto that. There are a few other variations, and yeah, we can if you if you guys have interest in this stuff, we can go very, very, very deep. But for right now, know that not only in you know is is it adhering to a structure in this 30-minute segment of news or this one-hour, you know, very, very candid conversation between Tucker and whoever. That shit's, um, you know, edited. It's controlled at many, many, many levels, even if we mostly favor Tucker. So it's done at that level, and most of you guys have a very firm grasp of this fact, I'm sure. My presumption, which I think is easily proven is that these larger moves, the boiling the frog level, you know, Biden backing it down and dialing it down, this is also highly, highly controlled. Um, Take war for for an example, you know. The heat of a battle where dudes are taking rounds, other dudes are applying tourniquets, Kids are screaming for their fucking mother. Cars are blowing up. Doors are being kicked in. Lives are being ended and fought over, etc. And right over the radio, there is your general or your commander of, of some sort. And this person has options available to them. They did, hopefully, you know, did not engage in this battle and pawn off their soldiers to, to death or destiny or whatever without you know, their version of a pace plan, um, options, if we're going to continue the engagement, what have you. A similar sort of analysis is absolutely occurring on, you know, the level of global control. Um, And it would seem to me that we're kind of on commercial break right now. We're on holiday break so we'll just time this with a commercial break as well and we're we're being set up for the next step down and it might be a sort of a lateral step first and then the step down so the most likely Options to me seem to be some another um, like super round of immigration, um, another another financial or monetary maneuver. Considering where we've come since uh, you know two thousand and eight, where you know Hank Paulson emerged. If you recall any of that. If you had even a passing understanding of um, you know how money is printed and where it comes from, and then you watch that go down, and yeah, well, I guess you know they picked their pharmacos, their scapegoat, and Madoff, and you watched everything else just again get consolidated, um, bailed out. This is where this term seem you know seem to originate from, and here we are many years later and now we're pumping out whatever number of trillions of dollars anecdotal but um and yeah maybe they've long ago tagged me as um, you know uh, an untouchable but my personal story regarding those stimulus payments was I never got one of them always paid my taxes My dad is um, highly capable. I don't do my taxes. I send them to him. They're done in 20 minutes, expertly. But, um, yeah, I know, you know, all these stories where people scammed the system and raked in millions or... And then, you know, you have your next tier of um, gangster who... Scammed for billions, you know. Just, but that was legitimized under one guise or another. But just as one dude sitting in the parking lot of your neighborhood fucking Walmart, um, yeah, I was totally eligible for all that shit. Haven't seen it. Well, I don't plan to see it. And to me, you know, I'm I'm not particularly upset about it because that's the type of thing. That I would expect at this stage in the game. I would expect this very controlled collapsing in on itself, a continuation of this pattern of corporate government consolidation into power that I've witnessed for my whole life and that we're seeing go into high gear. War, immigration, or probably to finish that thought, you know, the next just absolutely bald faced um, event, thievery event, go down. Those are my guesses. So when we consider this. Power We have, you know, I guess I would call it a power of attention. Consider that the technological version is that we interface with like on our phones is designed to hold your attention and steal it from you, to not give it to your family, to not give it to training, to not give it to your animals, to not give it to the warhorse podcast or, um, you know, unsavory characters like myself who who may admonish you to do what was just spoken of freely in you know 1991 uh fuck the man you know fuck this shit no i'm not fucking doing it um just because all those turds whether they were gen x or boomers or what have you um capitulated fuck you. I'm still not, I'm still not, I'm fucking doing it. And, and that's that. And um, you're not going to get my attention, but what I determine is necessary to take from you what I need. You being in this case, you know, the man. Um, these platforms, these devices, you know, I don't have no um, sense of hypocrisy with respect to how I live my life and then if I use you know products that work, give me another one and I'd be happy to switch out if I can afford it. Um, so we're not taking that bait, that theoretical potential of bait. We're going to hang on this idea of, of your attention and um, consider those two kind of points that your attention will be moved at the level the you know direct interface with any piece of technology. Um, it will be used at that level of the the long-term media narrative. You know what are we going to spin up now to hold your attention for one week? Again, just fucking ignore all of this shit. As much you already know the direction it's going. Because we have to sort of consolidate our own resources and consolidate amongst ourselves whatever voice we can and, you know, as the Reds say, begin to organize uh, in some fashion or another. It ain't going to do. We'll get into this, I hope, in, you know, the the closing practical sort of episodes. Um, Lone Wolf... The Manor Bund, Regional, the Guild, the Secret Society, the Secret fucking Handshake. You know, we're going to return to this. this that's kind of where we, we kicked off some of this discussion. But take note of, you know, how where is your attention just lately? Well, it probably wasn't on, um, you know, Joe Biden's wherever the hell he spent Christmas with his metaverse uh, VR dog or you know is the dog real I don't know but um, it probably wasn't there it was somewhere else for a moment and my best guess is that we you know our, our attention collectively will be demanded again to divert to make sure right classic we all know this move that hey you see this one where I wave my fist around boom, you forgot about this one. The old switcheroo. Oldest tactic in the book. This is all they're really doing. So whether we're supposed to look away from, oh, I don't know, you know, the continuing moves against the petrodollar, or we're supposed to look away from the crumbling infrastructure problems or the blossoming corruption at local and state level, um, probably all of it, you know, just watch this latest uh, racially charged event and make sure you fight about it with your friends and family because you have absolutely nothing to do with it, it has nothing to do with you, and you have zero say concerning the outcome, but make sure that you follow that herd. So anyway, I know you guys mostly are well, well versed in this stuff. It's more to just, I guess, you know, um, confirm it from afar and kind of, you know, find solidarity in the fact that we're all observing that, check, check, yep, copy that, okay, mount up, carry on, you know. I think there's some value, at least, in that. One last, you know, bit, this... You've even heard the phrase, attention economy. And um, there's a deeper level to this uh, that religion has long known. And it's built into the fabric of my religion and likely yours. And that is... You know, at a certain point in liturgy, we say, you hear usually a deacon say, let us attend, and, um, you know, wisdom. It's not a, a unit. The attention economy itself belies their weakness. It belies, once again, this absolute husk like nature of the thing that we're fighting against it's by definition empty it has no meaning and of course we go one step more and now we're into fallen nature and the human heart but not to go there quite yet because the concern i think of the remnant of you guys of myself is one to observe these things and then two of course to to orient and eventually you know decide but to take a moment now and point out this fact that we do have limited attention they're right about that they are trying to trying to you know or attempt they're not just trying they're for the masses, at least, doing pretty damn well. And, and even the, you know, the sort of libertarian 2A um, crowd, I mean, yeah, they're there to criticize it. That's great. But, again, is this is like one of these sort of coverted, secreted levels of, like, a, if you will imagine, a river very you know consolidated attention here consolidated there various streams of like cliques almost bound up as if in a coaxial cable or something bundled here bundled there but all of this shit is still going in the same direction and then meanwhile what where is the attention not going to well it's not going to something like the SAS pause or something like the, you know, La Cosa Nostra getting together with three dudes to start something that would change the world. What I see is in large part, the, um, the dissonant factions are either picking up the idea that, well, if we take the levers of power, then none of this will go down this way. Summarize it like that. Whether those levers of power are cultural, regarding fashion, regarding money or Bitcoin or even political, whatever. If we take those, well, yeah, there's of course some truth to this. But where the truth falls away beneath your feet is when we spin back on this ongoing dystopia that we're in right now that we realistically have been in for, I don't know, you know, the better part of 40 or so years, the paving over of paradise. Uh, And if that strikes you as, as, you know, weak piss, tough shit, because you're wrong. And likely, you missed the part in the in the episode, you know, recent episode where we talked about, you know, this very, very sensitive discussion about feelings where do you even have any? Because as a human animal, your dog does and you're supposed to as well. And you're not relating to that creature. You're not giving him what he deserves, nor to your children, nor to your wife, nor to yourself, of, of you know, first and foremost. And it's not about you know, being sad all the time or being angry all the time or spending your entire existence focused on your interiority, what it is about is examining and undoing the degradation that already exists. You're not going to muddle through this. You're not going to provide anything. You're not going to sacrifice at the last minute, you know, this big bloated bag of shit, uh, metaphorically or otherwise, that you've become for your family. time to do it would be now and it wouldn't really involve operating the levers of power. It would be again, cliche but true. It would begin with yourself and it would begin with harnessing your attention. So if we return here to the potential that this is entirely demonic it's even easier. Having spoken with Orthodox priests who are, though Catholics would like to claim otherwise, the undefeated masters in this realm. I think, you know, what you're dealing with is a kind of networked um, demonic influence. Demons appear or, I'm, you know, it's, it's understood, let's say... That the way they work is by attacking through the passions. You know, this is your wants, your desires, your, your jealousy, your lust, whatever. And then leveraging fallen nature towards some type of action on your part. And occasionally I think these characters, many of which are on stage right now, emerge where it's almost more like a channel. So possession um, or just like living in accordance with, just naturally accordant to evil, destructive, corrupting, poisonous stuff. Sure, absolutely. I'm on board with this. And the networked aspect uh, is is pretty dicey because the network itself uh, would seem to be... kind of reliant on I'm just going to say it you know, political networking itself Um, there's a reason why well one, small tribes were long favored and and are still I would go to that tomorrow, just everybody is free to do whatever they want, nobody no group, more than 120 uh, band together if you wish get it on or a theocracy where decisions of a political nature are being weighed against our understanding of of, um, of God that God is being brought into the decision-making process if you will well um, in this country we have separation of church and state and you know there again our, our American mythology God damn I'm gonna die on this hill you son of a bitch Rears its potentially erroneous, potentially, you know, evil long term planning head. So, whether it's networked, whether it's individual, if it's demonic, the control of the individual's attention towards terrible shit is the game and where in all this is the practicality Andy well the practicality comes in with the warrior's way period end of discussion I will give you a couple of bullet points and for those who have not listened to the episodes on the warrior's warrior's way there will be you know further exegesis on this um, I might devote a whole ten episodes to its, to just milking it for what it's worth because it's worth a lot. However, for now, go back to episodes I believe uh, eight, nine, and ten, some something like that, and get into it. But for those guys who have gone through that stuff and imbibed of that sweet nectar that is the warrior's way. You already understand that a very severe focus, um, a code, and sobriety, the discipline to even get on that road, all of these things are like... yeah. Um, In perfect accord in perfect harmony with the retention of your attention you know the control and preservation of this like a vital juice you know like um, you know our precious bodily fluids um, what have you you would be already you know retaining your semen most likely, if you were on the warrior 's way to whatever degree, some dudes can lose a lot more than others and be just fine but uh, but the retention of your attention should be absolutely on par and arguably precedes you know other forms of discipline and self control and it 's my belief that it's my been my experience. Um, no, I was not, you know, an SF soldier, um, but I will tell you this: I was personally told face to face by former member of Delta, who will go entirely unnamed, that essentially what you're talking about is a level of fitness and exertion that. Uh, most starting athletes on high school a competitive high school team can manage easily and in my interactions with uh, you know all types of martial characters, what I what I believe is that the level of Exertion, um, dedication, willpower, personal power. Available on the actual warrior's way. Vastly exceeds, just uh, makes child's play of anything else external that you're going to find. Because the big trick, right, is you're hunting yourself ultimately you find out that you're not playing against anybody you're not fighting against anybody you're fighting yourself and yourself alone if that's too abstract to you i gotta say you're dumber than shit that's all i'm gonna say about it go back and listen to those episodes um and go ahead you know dm with questions if they're um If they're in earnest, because if I really have failed in communication, that's one thing. If you're just listening to this uh, to dismiss it, then there's no time for it. One hour and 27 minutes seems like a good place to pause. Damn. So we'll pause the free first segment of episode 16. The website is goldengoatguild.net. You can navigate your way over to Patreon and subscribe. If you are adept, you could probably just go to Patreon and search Golden Goat Guild and subscribe that way, gain access to all of the other goodies. Subscribers, fellers, I will be right back with you. Adios, amigos.